It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. Britain's version of Medicare for All is struggling with long waits for care. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks, dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. Welcome to the Americhicks with Kim Munson. And man, oh man, do we have a show planned for you today. I have in studio with me two of my favorite Ameridudes, and Casper <laughs> Stockham. Welcome. It's Thank great you. to have you here. Good to be Roger here. Roger Bianco, it's great to have you here, too. Good morning, Kim. Now, you both are uh, part of the uh, the second best class ever in leadership yeah. program. Oh, Rockies. I think it was the first yeah. class. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. N- nothing before counted. Yeah, no. yeah. So 2014, right? Yes. yes, absolutely. Okay, well, I am thrilled to have both of you in studio today. We are going to have a big show. Um, let me do a little bit of housekeeping, <clears throat> and then we're going to just jump right in here. But uh, as uh, you know, today we're going to be talking. We always, I want to remind you, uh, socialism is uh, is being romanticized these days. There is nothing social about socialism. Just ask the people of Venezuela. We must remember that socialism is force. And the big questions out there when you're looking at candidates or when you're looking at issues is freedom or force, force or freedom. It's never compassionate to take others' rights, property, or freedom via force, whether with a weapon, policy, or unpredictable and overtaxation. And my frequent guest, Stephen Kessler, Ph.D., millennial, says, let's ask three questions when we're looking at things. Do you have any skin in the game? Are we bringing people up or are we yanking them down? You felt good, but did you do good? And we've seen a real uh, socialization and effort in transportation, education, energy, housing, and water. And so that's why we do this show is so that we can make sure that we live as free people. And I want to say thank you to producer Steve, to the team Zach, Patty, and Keith for your support and good work. And to you, my listeners, each of you, you are treasured and you are valued, and thank you for listening. So today, our inspiration, you know, it's summertime and people are out on the, on the golf course. So I thought, I'd see what does Arnold Palmer have to say about a few things, you know, the great golfer. <laughs> and he said, the most rewarding things you do in life are often the ones that look like they cannot be done. Mm. Again, the most rewarding things mm. in life. Yeah are often the things that look like they cannot be done. Yeah. If anyone looked at his swing, that was the big thing about Arnold Palmer, right? His swing looked like it, there was no way that could hit a ball as great as he did, and he did. Yeah. Wow. He was living, lived that every day. Lived that every day. So, okay, I've got a little joke. Are you guys ready? Ready. Steve, are you ready? <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, you know, I live for this. Okay. A young man with a few hours to spare one afternoon figures that if he hurries and plays very fast, he can get in nine holes before he has to head home. Mm. As, he about, as he is about to tee off, an old gentleman shuffles onto the tee and asks if he can join him. Although worried this will slow him up, the younger man says, of course. To his surprise, the old man plays quickly. He doesn't hit the ball very far, but it goes straight. Furthermore, the old man moves along without wasting any time. Mm. When they reach the ninth fairway, the young man is facing a tough shot. A large pine tree sits in front of his ball directly between it and the green. 
After several minutes pondering how to hit the shot, the old man says, you know, when I was your age, I hit the ball right over that tree. (laughs) With the challenge before him, the young man swings hard, hits the ball, watches it fly into the branches, rattle around, and land with a thud about a foot from where it started. Of course, says the old man, when I was your age, that tree was only about three feet tall. (laughs) Very good, very good. Okay. Well, we have something very special going on today. As I mentioned, we have Casper Stockham in studio and Roger Bianco. Roger, in segments three and four, we're going to be talking about property rights. Mm -hmm. In specific, the Kilo case. And many of you may remember that's the little pink house that was back in New London, Connecticut. London, Connecticut, correct. And uh, it's it's a very interesting conversation. It's, it's a case that went all the way to the Supreme Court. And property rights are inherent uh, to the American idea. Right. The other great thing uh, that is inherent to the American idea is that we have everyday citizens who care deeply about our country stepping up to run for office. So, Casper, do you have something to announce? I do. I do. What is going on in your life? So, for the past probably five months, I've been praying and thinking and watching what's going on um, in our political landscape. You know, as you know, I ran twice for Congress in Denver, mm-hmm. and we can talk about that in a second. But I actually live in Aurora. I've lived in Aurora for 16 years. Okay. And um, after the last election and up until now, I have not been happy with the way things have been going in CD6. <laughs> you think? <laughs> I mean, every day I feel like my constitutional rights are being um, attacked. And I, uh, there's uh, post after post that's going on um, talking about that. So I decided, after all that, that I'm going to jump back in the race and I'm going to run in CD6 for Congress. And I'm going to run against Jason Crow. Right. And um, it's going to be a fight because it's going to be a, a um, there's going to be a primary fight, but I'm up for that. And then there's going to be a general fight, and he needs to find something else to do. Well, <laughs> I yes, applaud that yeah. one. <laughs> uh, this is very exciting. I really believe that third time is the charm. Uh, I mean, running for office as a as a regular person, novice. Sure. I mean, you really have to learn what's... I mean, you know what's going on yeah. now, Casper. Mm-hmm. You know how the game's played. I know how the game is played. Yeah. yeah. Um, question, though. Mm-hmm. You ran in Denver, but you lived in Aurora. Yeah. Explain that, because now this is the district that you live in. Right. So you probably need to get out in front of that and explain that to people, how Absolutely. that works. Yeah. So the first thing is, um, with the federal office, you do not have to live in the district to run. You have to live in a state, but you don't have to live in a district. Okay. So you can run in any district. I can run in CD5 or 7 or whatever. But when you win, you have to live in there to serve. Mm. So you'd have to move into the district okay. to serve. Okay. That's the first thing. And, and we knew this uh, in Denver, but I work in, in the community in Denver on a daily basis. Right. So even though I didn't live in Denver, I'm in Denver more than I'm home. Got it. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. yeah. So and so, uh, if you would have won, then then you would have had to move into Denver had at that to move time. Into Denver, yeah. Okay. And and unlike my opponents at the time, I don't have unlimited resources to have several homes, and that's what they do normally. They just buy a home and rent it out, and say they live there. Aha. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, you had mentioned that you've been more and more uncomfortable with yeah. what is going on and that yeah. you don't feel that you are, are being represented. Yeah. Now, you, you are black. Mm-hmm. Um, See, now you're going to... The secret's out. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you... Um, 
you know, explain that. You said that you don't feel, as I'm looking at your press release, yeah. that you said that uh, for the over 60 years, the Democrat Party has exploited the black and Hispanic community because there's been a void in those communities of any real Republican Party presence as a balance. Yeah. So fulfilling a prior campaign promise, you said, I haven't left the community. I haven't left the community. So yeah. explain, explain this. Yeah. So um, when Mike Hoffman held the seat, he was in the community a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, he was a very hard worker. He yeah. was a very hard worker, and I have to give him credit for that. He was in the community a lot. People in the community knew Mike Hoffman. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them had met him and, and had talked to him before. Um, with Jason Crow, he is also in the community, but he's not representing all of the community. See, Mike Hoffman represented the Republican side, and he was also in the community on the Democrat side. Right. With Jason Crow, he's only in the community on the Democrat side. He doesn't go to Republican meetings. He's, he doesn't talk to Republicans. He doesn't get any of our input because if he did, he'd stop violating the Constitution on a daily basis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kaufman did a lot of work with the with, uh, Hispanic community, I know, Korean exactly. community. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I think he learned Spanish over the past couple of years yeah. because of that, you know, and, and that's something to, um, you know, to admire. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that Jason is not doing. He is not... Um, He's not talking to all of us. He's only talking to his base, and he has special interest groups that you know that fund his campaign. He's talking to them, and he's placating to the base, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. What about policy? Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you say Jason is doing regarding policy? He is um, he's a new face on the same old policies. Mm-hmm. Nothing is new about Jason Crow other than him being um, you know new to that office. Mm-hmm. He's an army. Former Army Ranger, which is uh, um, it's a, cra- big deal. That's well, a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big thing. deal, yeah. and you know he jumps out of perfectly good airplanes. I don't understand that, <laughs> but you know, but I I admire him for that, and I respect him for that. Absolutely. But a lot of the things he's doing don't represent um, the oath of office that we took, and I served in the military as well in the Air Force, and we took an oath of office that I didn't just drop after I got out. I still maintain that, and 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 when you um, when you get sworn in. For Congress, you take a very similar oath of office, and we're supposed to be protecting the Constitution and the citizens mm-hmm. in the country. But every time he goes to work, I feel like my rights are being uh, are, are in danger. Well, and you know, this is a question that I can't quite understand, and that is that people that put their life on the line, like you served in the Air Force, yeah. uh, Cross served in the Army, uh-huh. that people that put their their lives on the line yeah. to protect this country, but then come back and support policies that do not support our country. And uh, you're seeing this push towards socialization. And and social, under the social system, there's elites Mm -hmm. and then there's the poor. And in fact, that's one of the headlines that Patty had had on here regarding California is now becoming, there's areas of California that are like a third world country. Right. And it's because of socialist policies. Right. And uh, Jason, uh, you're seeing the, this real pull towards that in the Democrat Party. Yeah. And from what I've seen, um, Crow is actually voting and supporting those kinds yeah. of policies. Yeah. He supports those. And I follow him on Facebook now, as you can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just yesterday, he, uh, he posted an um, a interview he had with the morning, the KOA morning uh, folks. And he was excited about the fact that he was... He wants the military in Iran to talk to the military in the U.S. 
to um, to lessen the, the 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 conflict between our, our countries. What? He, yeah, I'm telling. This is what the man said, and I'm like, well, that violates the Constitution because there's a reason why we have civilians running the military and not the military running the military. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? The military do what the civilians tell them to do, and the head military person is the president of the United States. So for the military to talk to the military and and uh, um, um, and sidestep or bypass the executive branch. You mean the Constitution? Is a violation of the Constitution. That's right. And a sitting congressman is ex- a former Army Ranger. That's scary, actually. That's, yeah, that's very scary. That just happened yesterday. There's like 10 different things that he's done recently. That I'm like, I'm sorry. I, you know, he's a nice guy, I'm sure. But Jason Crow's got to go. Well, <laughs> did you That'll just work. think that up? That'll You've work. been working on that one. So, you know, we're going to go to break. But when we come back, I'd like to hear some about some more of these things that he's doing because, sure. you know, you may like somebody, but what are their policies? We need to really be working on the issues. Yeah, yeah. And so Roger Bianco and Studio Casper Stock, and we're going to go to break. Uh, but before we do that, I uh, just wanted to I tell you what. The Rockies did great in Arizona. They swept them, and then they went to L.A., and the Dodgers swept the Rockies. So the uh, Rocks are going on to San Francisco tonight for a three-game stand, and they'll return home later this week to pick up where they left off with the Dodgers. Hopefully being home will be a good thing for them. And the place to watch all these baseball games is Hooters. It's the spot to be this summer. Uh, enjoy Hooters beach-worthy seafood items like amazing fish tacos, delicious snow crab legs, and mouth-watering buffalo shrimp. I ordered that the last time the girls were over, and they loved it. So Hooters has plenty of ice-cold beer options to help cool you down as well. Now, they do have some uh, lunch specials. You can dine in for those. They have nine items for 9 bucks, 11 to 3 p.m., and there's nine delicious menu items to choose from, like fish and shrimp tacos, salads, cheeseburger, Philly cheese steak, and, of course, boneless wings. So you can dine in for that. You can always get Hooters wings to go. And uh, or you can have them delivered right to your front door. So for more information, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. We'll be right back. We are first out with this news that Casper Stockham is running for Congress. And so we'll be right back with Roger Bianco and Casper Stockham. All AmeriChick sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Social media is important to the AmeriChicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. And now introducing Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins at Ginger and Baker. Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks would like to thank Auto FireGuard for sponsoring this fascinating exploration of the U.S. Constitution and sponsoring the new Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins. Kim Munson looks forward to celebrating U.S. Constitution Week in Grand Lake. 
Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today at americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. I tell you what, that Charlie and that bumper music, if I say something, he gets it on there. I love it. Thank you so much. Um, very quickly, you heard the spot for Vino and Veritas. This is Vino and Veritas week. Tonight's Vino and Veritas at uh, Jen Hewlin's Water's Edge Winery over in Centennial. We've got a couple of individual tickets left. So if you're interested, uh, and if you're interested on any of this, just email me at americhicks.com forward slash Kim. Tomorrow night is going to be our very first Vino and Veritas up in Fort Collins. And then Sunday night, it will be Vino and Veritas in Castle Rock. Tell you what, this is rich. This is The Federalist Papers were written by Alexander Hamilton, John Jay, and James Madison to make the case for the Constitution. We have in studio with me a couple of guys that uh, actually really love the Constitution. Roger Bianco and Casper Stockham. Casper? Yes. You love the Constitution so much that you just announced that you are running for Congress. Yes, ma'am. And yes, you're ma'am. against, uh, you're going to uh, challenge Jason Crow? Eventually, yes. I, got, I have to get through the assembly in the, um, in the primary, but... Um, I guess I'm being presumptuous, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Okay. Yeah. Tell us then. Let's go through some, some other reasons why Jason Crow has to go. All right. So uh, the first one I've already kind of touched on, he's not really honoring his military and congressional oath of office. I don't believe, you know, that's my personal opinion. Um, he's good at jumping out of planes, but not jumping into the district and community to help with criminal justice reform and empowerment. Nothing um, in his uh, campaign nor in his current actions have uh, supported criminal justice reform. That was pushed by the Republicans and Trump. Right. And, and the Democrats kind of... kind of that's, uh, That's been something they kind of sounded like they wanted all these years. Right, right. But they... They were, never really did, they were just kidding. They were just kidding. Never did it. Uh, he takes advantage of tragedies for political gain, like the stem shooting. Right. When That's that stem shooting happened, him and Bennett ran down there. They couldn't get down there fast enough. And the kids realized this. You know, the kids are awesome. They realized this, and they walked out. I know. You know, and, and for any politician to take advantage of those things. Now, should he go? Absolutely. He should be, go, and he should be... Uh, um, 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 acknowledge the tragedy. Acknowledge the tragedy, mourn with them or whatever, but no political action should be spoken from the podium. Mm-hmm. He should be honoring the young man that that gave his life and sacrificed his life to, to save his fellow students. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's about it. Mm-hmm. But they always seek out these tragedies to try to take advantage of them for political gain. Mm-hmm. And he is he's no different than any other Democrat, really. Um, he does not know the difference between industry and individual when it comes to recognizing the Second Amendment. What I mean by that is he is excited about putting forth a, a bill or an amendment or act or whatever that would um, allow for people to sue a gun manufacturer mm-hmm. if someone uses that gun, like a Smith & Wesson gun is used in a, in a, oh in a crime. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. a direct affront upon the Second Amendment. Hello. <laughs> That's right. Jason, Jason Crow has okay. got to go. Okay. Because... The gun manufacturer, um, as long as that gun works as advertised, then the, the gun manufacturer is not at fault when somebody uses that gun to shoot someone. Just like a car, car manufacturer is not at fault for somebody, you know, a hit and run um, you know, accident or something like that. Right. What, what about if somebody 
you know, kill somebody with the, the, a kitchen knife. Exactly. Should uh, yeah. then that uh, manufacturer be held accountable as well? See, it, it, where does it stop? It, where does it where stop? Where does it where stop? Does it stop? Right. So, so this is, again, this is an, a direct affront upon something that is in the Constitution, and that is for law-abiding citizens to be able to keep and bear arms. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So every time so he goes, so you're going to protect the Second Amendment. hundred percent. Okay. Hundred percent. Every time he goes to work, I'm like, oh my God, now what? <laughs> What's happening today with my Second Amendment rights and my constitutional rights? Uh, he believes and supports the the Green New Deal and socialism because he's not speaking out against those. His party brings them up all the time, and he's just kind of rubber stamping it. Uh huh. And the HR one bill that the um, Congress signed on a very partisan um, vote, uh-huh. of course, it's not even getting to the Senate, and it's, n- it's definitely not going to get to the president's desk. Now, which one is H.R. 1? H.R. 1 is this humongous social socialist kind of bill. Um, I don't have all the details with me, okay. but it's I'm a gonna very— look, I'm going to look it up. Yeah, H.R. 1 is, is the first one that they were excited to you know, to vote on. Okay, and I'll, it, I'll look that up. And it is—oh, my God, it's, it's horrible. Okay. I did print off when Ocasio-Cortez presented the New Green Deal. I actually uh, immediately printed it off, so I have the original copy. Oh, wow. Aha, Uh if you ever need that. So anyway, go ahead. Awesome. (laughs) So he he wants to use military money to fight climate change, but not money to secure the border. Now, this is – he was excited about this. He did a video right before he left the – right before he left D.C. for the last holiday. They spent 20-something hours in committee making sure that there was military money set aside for climate change, but also making sure there was no money for border security. Now, what he said was there's no money to separate children at the border. But the money that goes to ICE is not... is not designated like, okay, well, children at the border, 10,000, and, you know, it's border security. We need to to make sure our our men and women right on the front lines have the resources they need to protect our country. Okay, Casper, just a quick question, because you mentioned that Jason Crow does not represent everyone in CD6. Mm -hmm. Hispanics, you know, there's the perception that this open border thing plays to the Hispanic vote. But I was thinking about it yesterday. It's like, we're all, I mean, I'm so frustrated with putting us in these different groups. You know, I want to be safe yeah. when I, go, like, um, my, my church is not in my neighborhood, and I was, you know, driving past Colfax the other day. I'm like, I want to be safe. Yeah. You're Hispanic. You probably want to be safe. I do. You're black. You probably want to be safe. You're a woman. You're gay. Don't we all want to be safe? Sure, sure. And what the other side does, very masterfully, I might add, is that they, um, they, take an issue and they and they dissect it in a way that it makes us look like that we are hateful people or, or, or whatever um securing the border has nothing to do with racism has nothing to do with hating mexicans or anything like that it has to do with national sovereignty right uh, every sovereign country including mexico by the way has a border right they have a southern border northern border and so forth so hispanics um are we have to figure out a humane way to deal with the crisis. We have to figure out how to do it legal, uh, how to fix the legal side of it, and have border security, which includes a wall, it includes a fence, it includes drones, it includes all those things, and it includes getting the individuals at the border, the ICE agents and so forth, getting them the resources they need to do their job. 
Right now, the Congress has cut the funds, causing a crisis at the border. And then they go to the border and say, see, they're not doing their job. Well, you didn't give them the money to do their job. Right. You know, and the um, Hispanic community is in support of secure borders. But what they also are in support of is a humane way to deal with the people who are currently here. Right. If we let them in. And now they're here and we let them loose in the country as well. So perhaps there might be a situation where, you know, figuring out a a work program and then and then a path to citizenship. It would have to be very long. It's no I don't think it's fair. They need to get in line. Yeah. To jump the line. Okay. exactly. They need to get in line um, behind the people that came legally from Mexico and from all all the other countries. Other countries as well. Get in line. And then they need to sponsor. Like we used to do, we used to, I think it's still a law, but we just don't, um, right. you know, we, we it, don't enforce it. So it means that, that if you come in, that it's not going to be the taxpayer that's paying this. That right. There's going to be a sponsor, which that incentivizes yeah. people to actually get yeah. going. When you come in legally, you have to have a sponsor. Mm-hmm. When you come in illegally, then you need to get in line and get a sponsor so that you can become legal. Okay. Okay, yeah. we're, we're just about out of time. How many more do you have there? Oh, let me go through them real quickly. Uh, I'll skip that one. I'll skip that one. Oh, oh no, the ICE. <laughs> so he's, he's attacking the ICE facility. And I think I saw a tweet from Nancy Pelosi saying the ICE is not um, to do things that don't represent our country. Well, they're a government agency. <laughs> ICE doesn't operate independently of anybody. They, they are re- responsible and report to the government. And, and to enforce yeah. laws. They're just, they're, okay, they're there like the military, the police, and, and every other public servant. They're, they're, they don't do things independently of our country. They are doing things based upon the rules and regulations that are set up by our government. Mm-hmm. So if ISIS is doing something outside ICE. of that. ICE is, not ISIS. ICE. <laughs> ICE. ICE. Right. Yeah. Okay. I, I ICE is. Okay. ICE. I got it. <laughs> if ICE is got it. <laughs> doing anything um, um, inappropriate, they're a government agency. So Nancy Pelosi, who is Speaker of the House, maybe she should figure out some laws to figure it out. I'm thinking they should change the regulation. Got it. If you don't like how your agency is running, change it. Yep. So, anything else, sir? Yes. They can go to Casper for Colorado. It's the word for CasperforColorado.com. Okay. That's the website. They can go donate right now uh, on this site. The donate button is active. Um, I'm going to be um, on the media all day long talking to folks and getting folks excited. See, here's the thing at the end of the day, we as Republicans have to get into the community. We have to do outreach in the community. There's nobody better, I don't believe, you know, and I don't want to toot my own horn here, but I, I'm in the community every day. I don't know any other Republican that's as active in the community as I am. So uh, it's going to take somebody like myself to win back CD6. Well, Casper Stockham, we wish you uh, lots of great luck. Thank you also Thank you. for stepping up. That is CasperForColorado.com, right? Yes, ma'am. And uh, you heard it first here. I know that you're going to be out on the media all day today, but... Thank you for having us be the first one to be able to get this news out there. You're welcome. It's a little early for me, but you know what? It's great it to have you. It. Okay, it. very you. good. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Roger Bianco about the uh, Kilo case. It was the the Supreme Court case that was uh, in the movie The Little Pink House. Before we do that, though, Jason McBride is on the line today. And, Jason, how are you? 
Oh, just wonderful. How are you, Kim? Good well, morning. Good morning. And uh, I had somebody had uh, texted me something regarding Ocasio-Cortez and that Amazon did not pay any federal income tax. And we had talked about it a few weeks ago or probably a couple of months ago. But I wanted to just re-ask you about that. Well, it was fake news then and it's fake news now. Okay, explain. Well, this article you sent me, it was on Yahoo, which that's the first indication that it's probably <laughs> fake news right there. Uh, it was back from February, and I was reading through it. I mean, I didn't go through the whole thing because, I mean, they're just making it up. Here, Here's a guy from uh, the, uh, let's see, he's from, oh, I lost it. I'm sorry, that's, Kim. That's okay. He's from the Institute on Taxation and Economic Policy. And he's going through the whole thing, and then he says, it's hard to know exactly what they're doing, says Steve Wamhoff, ITEP's director of federal tax policy. Now, this was all the way back in February before Amazon had even released their uh, their 10K that showed what they had done for the year. So they had no idea whether they had paid taxes or not. Uh, this said they weren't going to pay taxes in 2018. It said they paid zero taxes in 2017 and then went on a big, uh, you know, laundry list of manure that apparently they just <laughs> made up from whole cloth. Now, uh, as you remember, uh, Kim, of course, Elizabeth Warren came in and uh, latched onto this and started repeating it. Well, and it seems like it must be getting some new legs because uh, somebody had just sent this to me. So I don't know if they just had come come upon it or, you know, if it was uh, something out there. But you had actually looked at the real financials of Amazon and you said from, I think, what, your K, the K-1 or whatever, that they did pay federal income taxes. Well, they did. And any, I just want to point out, Kim, anybody can look at this information. You just go to sec.gov. Uh, up at the top, you click uh, company information, you put in Amazon symbol, and you look for what's called a 10K. Uh, that's their annual report. Well, for 2018, uh, they did pay just a little bit of tax, a total of $1.2 billion in uh, taxes. And in 2017, when this guy claimed that they paid zero taxes, well, they paid $957 million. I know that's not very much to the <laughs> average person, but, you know, almost a billion dollars. And by the way, in 2016, they also paid 400 and some million in taxes. So uh, it, it's just, it's a fake story, and you can get uh, the actual info very, very easily. It's right here in black and white, unless Amazon's just lying, which I find highly unlikely they would do in their 10K. Right, that's for sure. So, Jason, I really appreciate you um, breaking this out again because, you know, when you look at these different news sources and you can, can prove, which you proved right here, that it is truly uh, fake news, that it is dishonest, it's disingenuous. And so I would challenge people that when you hear something from these particular news sources, if you're not telling the truth here, why should I believe you over here? So, Jason, I really appreciate it. And, and you know, I know that you take this great care as well 
with, uh, you know, with your clients and, and the folks over there at Presidential, you know, you help people with their nest eggs. So if people want more information, they can go to chickspresidential.com, chickspresidential.com. And Jason, I know you'll sit down with people. There's no pressure or anything. That's not your style. But if people want to have a, another set of eyes on their nest egg, I know that you're happy to sit down and talk with them. That's uh, pretty much my job description, and uh, yeah, absolutely. Give us a call. Come over. We're we're not uh, pressure uh, pressure place. Uh, we're not going to lock the door and make you write a check. <laughs> it's very uh, easy, uh, very uh, enjoyable. I would hope. And uh, you know, the other thing, you come over. We're not a bunch of. Uh, stiff suits either. It's not all tight. I mean, we're pretty easy going, and most people have a lot of fun when they come to see us. Well, that's uh, for sure. So for more information, chickspresidential.com. Jason, thank you so much. We will talk to you tomorrow. Okay, Kim. Have a great show. Thanks so much. We're going to go to break. When we come back, I can't wait to talk with Roger Bianco uh, regarding uh, this Kilo case. We'll be right back. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The AmeriChicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich & Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich & Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for next year's tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich & Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree? Let's have a conversation. And this is an important conversation. I have in studio with me Roger Bianco. Uh, he is uh, a graduate of the leadership program of the Rockies class of 2014, and uh, that's LPR for short. You were a defender of capitalism finalist. That's a big deal. I was, yeah. Big, big deal. Didn't, didn't get the award, but I did uh, get into the finals. Yeah. Did you get a ribbon? Uh, no, I, think, I don't think we did ribbons. Yeah, back I think in the, the day. only person that gets the prize is the one that wins, though, yeah, right? Yeah. You were Steve, Steve DeRose. Got to give credit. I think it was Steve DeRose that got Defenders of Capitalism yeah. from my class. It's a, it's actually uh, it's a big deal to be a finalist because it is a group of 65 people that all have a, a great competitive spirit, if you will, and then also, uh, you know, really trying to, to think about what capitalism is. So that's a big deal. You are the founder and co-chair of the LPR Mentor Program. You're a member of the LPR Advisory uh, Council, and you are a former congressional staffer. So you kind of have a lot of experience. And property rights is something that likes, I mean, it, it makes you, you get really excited about it. You got to die on this hill. We've yeah. got to die on this hill. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the Kilo case. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was uh, a movie a couple of years ago, The Little Pink House. So set it up for us. Okay. So uh, first thing, I almost started singing 
to Sweet Annie, just reflexively, because I love that song. That would have driven your ratings down through the floor. Oh, you're uh, also had, a musician. I, yeah, play the drums, <laughs> but don't sing. Um, but anyway, uh, so so the last time we got together, we talked about property rights in the American ideal, which which involves uh, property as something that is beyond your physical things. It's beyond your home, your land, your car, the, the things that you have that are tangible mm-hmm. and you can touch, gets into your intellectual property, the things you think, the things you produce with your mind, as well as your religious freedom. And, and Madison was very particular in the late 18th century to write in his uh, essay, Property, about um, as, that a man has particular or peculiar right in his religious expression, right? So th- these are, that, that's what property is in the American ideal. Now, here comes Kilo. And, and it, I'll go through the history a little bit of how the Fifth Amendment has been interpreted, but here's Kilo. Yeah, and it's Suzette Kilo. Yeah, Suzette Kilo. So City of uh, New London, Connecticut in 2000 approved a development plan which would involve imminent domain takings of over, actually, I think 90 properties. And 83 of them went along, quote-unquote, voluntarily, but not necessarily voluntarily. And seven of them held out, including Suzette Kilo. Now, her and her family had lived in that home for generations. Uh, The fundamental issue here is whether the taking of the seven contested properties, and really, I think the whole all 90, um, is allowable under the, quote-unquote, public use takings clause of the Fifth Amendment of the Constitution as applied to the states through the 14th Amendment. So let's see if I can find it here. The Fifth Amendment to the Constitution, um, double jeopardy, a lot of things in here. But the last line says, uh, nor be deprived, no person shall be, yada, yada, nor be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of the law, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. So those are the words at the crux of this, for public use. The Connecticut Supreme Court ruled that it was constitutional, that that what the city of New London did was constitutional because the project would have created a thousand plus jobs and had and, and would have revitalized that local community. So this kind of falls under the blanket of economic development and and many who have a broad interpretation of that public use clause say that's legitimate. That's constitutional. But many who do not have that broad interpretation um, do uh, believe that it was not constitutional. So what uh, Suzette Kilo and her supporters did was they appealed to the Supreme Court of the United States. Now, the Supreme Court actually in June of 2005 upheld the Connecticut ruling by a five to four vote. So here we are, June of 20. Uh, 19. We're at the 15 anniversary mark of this decision. Mm-hmm. Now, here's just a note on this, and this is something that I looked at that I, I, I scratched my head about here a little bit. The court was, if I, if I was looking at it right here, uh, seven to two Republican-appointed justices versus Democrat-appointed justices. Three of those Republicans voted in the majority to expand eminent domain to use over economic development projects. Okay, so now explain that one more time. So the vote was seven to two. It was O'Connor well, and... The vote was five to four. Oh, it was 5-4. Okay. But, but it was... So here's what it was. It was um, Breyer voted to uphold uh, the uh, New London... To vote Decision. against Kilo. Okay. Yeah. Breyer, who was appointed by Clinton. Ginsburg, who was appointed by Clinton. Stevens, who was appointed by, appointed by Republican Richard Nixon. Justice Kennedy, who was re- appointed by Ronald Reagan. And Justice Souter, who was uh, appointed by George H.W. Bush. Those were the five that voted to uphold the decision that what the city of New London did in taking people's property was constitutional under the Fifth Fifth Amendment. Now, to overturn it, Rehnquist, Thomas, O'Connor, and Scalia 
all appointed by Reagan, with the exception of Thomas, who was appointed by uh, George H.W. Bush. Now, um, two points on this. One, all of those Republican presidents, Reagan, Nixon, I think, I wasn't, I wasn't alive when he first ran, but I was alive when he second ran, but I don't remember, and H.W. Bush, I, I'm sure all campaigned as appointing strict Constitutional. constitutionalists to the bench, and we, could, we cannot legislate from the bench and so on and so forth. We had a, and we had an overwhelming, we, the, the uh, constitutionalists, quote unquote, had an overwhelming majority on the Supreme Court, and they still, they still expanded the, the, the public use clause under the Fifth Amendment to allow for essentially what you'll hear in the uh, dissensions that I'll go through, uh, cronyism. That's, a, that's basically what this is. It's an allowance of cronyism under the Constitution and a devaluing of the very property rights that we talked about mm-hmm. on the last show. So, um, and then the second thing was O'Connor's dissension, right? Her, her, her dissension, she, she had a reputation as, as somewhat of a moderate on the mm-hmm. court. And her dissension adds credibility uh, to the pushback, the movement that's since 2005 been pretty strong in pushing back against this Kelo decision. Um, because she's not, you know, I, I wouldn't call O'Connor a strict constitutionalist. And she came in, uh, weighing in, in in favor of a, a, a limited interpretation of that public use clause. In other words, limiting what the government, the, limiting the ability of governments to take people's property through eminent domain. And it, it really is that the just compensation part is not the issue. The issue is public use. Mm-hmm. And what is that? And so there are a lot of implications, but... Um, uh, okay, now uh, we're going to go to break here in just a minute, but you mentioned economic development. Mm-hmm. And we see so many politicians that tout, uh, hey, I, brought, I, I was part of this deal that brought all these jobs to this community. Um, but in doing so, typically that big business gets some kind of tax break or they may get a kickback on the tax revenues. Or Correct. And so how, first of all, is that fair? That so they're saying if if I don't have to adhere to so many rules and regulations or if the taxes are lower, then I can do business in your community. Right. Well, duh. How about if there are not all these rules and regulations and for the little guy and you lower taxes for him or her? Right. How about that's a good idea? And so under this guise of economic development, they're bringing jobs to quote unquote our community. I remember. Uh, I want to say it was like VE Corp. Uh, there was an economic development deal that uh, I think they brought him to Denver. Uh, but they're the parent company of, uh, of uh, I think they um, manufactured socks, like in one of those smaller uh, smaller counties here in Colorado. I want to say it's up in Steamboat. Okay. And so those jobs were taken from Steamboat and brought over here. Right. And they were done via uh, a kind of cronyism. Well, yeah. It, 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 so it, that's... There's a professor uh, from George Mason University, Ilya Samin, S-O-M-I-N. If anyone wants to get caught up on this, he he has a great uh, lecture on YouTube called The Grasping Hand, Kilo versus New London and the Limits of Eminent Domain. Now, what he says along these lines is that um, the justification for economic development winds up being what, what, what this is. There's actually bipartisan opposition for, for, for property takings. But this, so this is not necessarily a Republican versus Democrat issue. There's people on the left and the right who think that this kind of thing is wrong. Okay. What it is, is it's a, and this is the way that, that Justice O'Connor looks at it, a powerful, uh, powerful muddied interest versus the powerless. It's very difficult for people. Um, economic development's a wonderful thing. 
you know, and I, I think if you're, if, I mean, my personal opinion, if you, if you, if you say, I'll give you a tax break or I'll cut your taxes for five years or I'll, I'll cut the regulation or I won't make you plant 50 trees or whatever it is, you know, that's kind of an acknowledgement that that stuff is a, 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 a block. It, it's something that prohibits economic development in your backyard. So why not just do it away with that stuff permanently? Uh-huh. Kind of what's happening in the state of New York. But um, with, with Kilo, um, I'll, go through, I'll go through, I know we've got to take a break, but I'll go through uh, O'Connor's uh, dissenting opinion okay. and Thomas's dissenting opinion because um, they were fascinating, very well written, um, and, and that, that'll give more light on this, this thought, Kim, that you just brought up about how economic development. Professor Salmon says that something that was very interesting. He observed all these takings and what happened to these communities after, found out one, economic development is, is anemic. A lot of these projects don't happen. In fact, to my knowledge, to date, there's nothing been built on the, the right. land that, for the, the Kilo case. That's my understanding. He says that the feral cats are the ones that have gotten the most use out of, out of all this, uh, out of the takings there. And then he says, secondly, what happens is these dislocated people leave. And oftentimes what they do is they leave the city, they leave the community, they leave the congressional district. Just had Casper here. They leave the congressional district. They leave the state, senate district, whatever it is. So they can't. And, and the memories of everyone else is short, so there's no accountability. When it comes time to, quote-unquote, kick the bums out for kicking people out of their home, those me- the memories of those people are either they're out of the district or the other citizens who stay just have a short memory. And people kind of get used to having a nice little quaint downtown area, even though Suzette Kilo got kicked out of her home unjustifiably. Okay. <laughs> so that sets it up. We're going to go to break. Roger Bianco is in studio. We're talking about property rights, Kilo, eminent domain, the Kilo case. We will be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect your private property rights. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped to organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. So call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Come join the 88 Drive-In for all your favorite blockbuster movies. We're open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person, and children under 12 are free. Friday, June 21st through Thursday, June 27th, features will include Toy Story 4, Godzilla, and Aladdin. And remember our popular Monday through Thursday pizza special. Get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot from our oven and two tall, cool 16-ounce sodas, all for only 12 bucks. Plus, now you can top it all off with our new sweet, crunchy churros and a steaming cup of hot chocolate. For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. Hey, welcome back to the Ameritics with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. 
Thrilled to have in studio with me uh, guest Ameridude, Roger Bianco, uh, <laughs> LPR class of 2014, Defender of Capitalism finalist, founder and co-chair of the LPR Mentor Program. You're on the advisory council for LPR. You're a former congressional staffer. And uh, you property rights, you said, this is the hill that we have to die on. Got to die on this one because oh, okay. it goes deep. It goes deep and long. So talk about the, the Kelo case. And, and really, the, the first you had I had been exposed uh, deeply to the Kelo case was in leadership program of the Rockies. They, they take a day and they talk about when it is it right to violate property rights or right to violate rights? And they, t- they discuss property rights. And then Dr. Tom Cranowitter expands property rights beyond the physical, which is what we've done here. Um, so go to leadershipprogram.org to get information on that. The implications on this. And so th- there's actually a history that, that this has been Professor Salmon in his talk says that a lot of legal scholars were actually surprised that the Supreme Court took the Kelo case because there's a long history of precedent. And it's actually uh, it illustrates nicely that the 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 move leftward, the the move towards using government to do things like quote unquote economic development, and as if unless government doesn't do it, it won't get done, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't. If government doesn't do something, it doesn't mean it won't get done. I mean, the American people are industrious, and mm-hmm. tr- trusting them is a, is a critical part of this. But. Um, so the, the public, public use is the, is the idea, and there's a narrow interpretation of the Fifth Amendment, the public use uh, clause versus the public, versus public purpose, which is what Kelo expanded the, the definition to go from public use to public purpose. So what does that mean? Well, the narrow interpretation, which is um, use only if the, 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 um, the public is, and this is what Thomas talked about in his dissension, is... Uh, you can take property, the government can take property for public use only if it's used directly by the public or the military. And he has a long list, but utilities, uh, Road, military use, roads, yeah, yeah, so on and so forth, where, where truthfully everyone can use it, right? But public purpose, quote unquote, broadens the definition. And it means that anything that's used by, quote unquote, the public. I mean, we talked about this, I think, last show or two shows ago. Oftentimes what happens is people running for office who want to beat their chest about all they're going to do for citizens, they just use the word public. You know, they mm-hmm. call it public education and public library as if you, you insert the word public in something and all of a sudden it becomes virtuous. Therefore, that person – and then that translates to the person running for office should have all the power and they should get all the money and people mm-hmm. and they should have the power to tax and all that stuff. Same thing here. Public, public use versus public purpose. Public purpose – is is the broad interpretation in, of of the Fifth Amendment. So, um, let's see these types of takings, economic development. So, the justification for public purpose is that the key behind these types of takings is is uh, that they create jobs, improve quote unquote blighted communities, and are used by something called the public, even if only potentially. Right. So they say that it doesn't actually have to materialize. Mm-hmm. Well, all the stuff that politicians say, and this is what O'Connor says in her dissension. She says, look, at politicians can say whatever they want to say. Economic forecasts about what happens once you take these people, these people's right. property, kick them out. Th- those can those can not materialize. Right. We shouldn't we shouldn't make decisions to violate property rights based on forecasts and the like. Um, and O'Connor so, said that O'Connor said that. Mm-hmm. But development does not always occur. Right. Uh, we talked about that in the Kilo case, to my knowledge, still no development on those properties. These communities are not always blighted. The, the, the public use clause of the Fifth Amendment, the broad interpretation of it, has been used in places like Las Vegas, Times Square. Unless I check Times Square isn't hurting for, mm-hmm. for commerce, and I would not call that a, a blighted uh, community. 
Um, sometimes it's used for sports stadiums. There's a um, the story of, Ch- of Dodger Stadium at Chavez Ravine. I won't go into it, but that was a uh, an eminent domain case where the city, I believe, of Los Angeles could have been the county or I don't know what it was, uh, kicked people out of their home just so that the the Dodgers can. And I love Dodger Stadium. Been there. Mm-hmm. Love the magic that happened. That magic could have happened someplace else. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure we needed to kick people out of their homes. Um, ironic. Not ironic. Tragic, actually. Uh, Professor Salmon says uh, the people hurt most by these takings for, quote, unquote, public use under or public purpose under the broad interpretation are those who are the poorest, least connected, who are dislocated. They often move outside the community, and then again, they can't mm-hmm. vote the bums out, so mm-hmm. there's no accountability. Mm-hmm. So the, the broad interpretation of the Fifth Amendment public use takings actually broadens it for public purpose, which means you can take property. Uh, the, the Supreme Court in the Kelo case said it's good for governments to take, it's okay for governments, constitutional for governments to take property to use for broad uses that may potentially at some point down the road uh, possibly um, benefit, quote unquote, the public, which means I guess anyone who can afford it uh, to, to use the to use the, the, the facilities well, built there. It, it's the assumption that, uh, okay, so that this is going to bring jobs and jobs, these are going to bring people that's going to spend money in, in this particular town. And, uh, and to take people's property, to really steal it, cronyism. Right. Uh, and and you, if you watch the movie, this was all done for political purposes. And uh, Dr. Cranowitter has said that in politics, it doesn't matter what the results are. Right. It right. just matters what they say. So in this case... They actually went in and they bulldozed these people's That's homes. Right. That's right. And they took them. And that has got to be – and they did it because they wanted this big company to come in. Yeah. And as you mentioned, they took these homes. They dislocated these people. That company didn't come in. Yeah. Unbelievable. Now, here's what – so it's Pfizer. Uh, here's what, here's what uh, Justice O'Connor said in her dissension, and then we should talk about maybe next time, the narrow interpretation – um, Justice O'Connor and Thomas both smelled out some cronyism here. Uh, the, the actual organization that was responsible for the plan and implementation of the plan was something called the New London Development Corporation, which is a private organization that O'Connor says does not really have le- a, a legitimate, it's not a government function. It's not a government organization. <clears throat> so it doesn't have legitimate power to use eminent domain. Um, <laughs> she, the project was going to benefit Pfizer, um, but it also had pet projects, including an Italian drama club. My last name ends in a vowel. Italians do not need a club to be dramatic. We are dramatic <laughs> all the time. Uh, that's, that's absolutely pet projects and, you know, taking care of a local constituency. See, they not... do this so that they can get people to come and support it. Now, yeah. what you just mentioned is something that I was always very concerned on when I was on city council, and that is the term public private partnership right Those typically are not... it is cronyism yeah. it is where the uh the public official the politician the bureaucrats the interested parties can then choose over here in the private sector you know who's going to get get the deals and and if you think that a private company is going to come in and take on risk without some kind of a guarantee you know some astronomical risk. And I, I'm thinking about the I-36 project. They call it public-private partnership. Right. Uh, in essence, um, they're not going to take any risk that, 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 that they haven't actually figured out. Who ultimately is on the line is the taxpayer. That's right. The taxpayer is on the line for the success or failure of the project, and they also lose their very property, right? And so um, 
there's a there's a uh, narrow interpretation mm-hmm. of the uh, public use clause that does not broaden eminent domain usage to public purpose. Now, and, and well, just really quickly, the intention under under this interpretation, the intention of the founders was clearly to protect property rather than allow government to take it. Modern day takings are not up to the Fifth Amendment standard because that standard is public use, right? And we mentioned those mm-hmm. before. Justice Thomas in his dissent in the list, utility, utility, uh, utility military roads, etc. Uh, takings today are, and this was something that was common throughout everything that, I, that I've read on this topic, takings today are in reality, open quotes, taking from A to give to B for the benefit of B, which is usually a private moneyed interest. I'd hate to, I'd hate to, I, I, I would be hugely hypocritical if I didn't bring up that um, President Trump was a big real estate guy who made lots of big deals. And he uh, called eminent domain a beautiful thing in the in the in the Republican primary. Which we're is, gonna we're gonna let we're gonna have we'll to let that hang that. there, <laughs> and you'll be back next month, right? I loved it. We got lots to go through. Okay, thank you so much, Roger Bianco. Our quote for today: Arnold Palmer. He says, "When you play by the rules, defy mental de- demons, overcome every challenge, and enjoy a walk in the country at the same time." That's being alive. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America. 